Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. How are you doing? We doing okay? We have a lot going on here at Cornerstone, and um, today it's, it's quite, the, quite the day. I'm sure there are some parents, actually I know there's quite a few parents that decided to join us online, so can we welcome them uh, this morning, those that are hanging out online, because they sent their kids to camp this week. We had 40 kids, high schoolers, junior hires, and we, we did a whole a whole shebang, and so it was a great, a great weekend. We've, they're driving back through the desert now as we speak, and so um, we want to welcome them. Maybe some of them are tuning in on their smartphones as well, but we had a wonderful youth trip, and so they'll be back this afternoon. Good stuff, but as we get into the Word, you have a Bible today. Would you open it up to Mark chapter 11? The book of Mark chapter 11, and as we get into this message today. Did anyone, there was a a tiny bit of homework from last week, and that homework was Psalm chapter 19, verse 14. Did anyone happen to repeat that psalm at any point this week? You know, when you're walking into work, when you're getting ready for that tough meeting, when you're getting ready for that appointment, um, I I just think, oh my goodness, as we've been speaking a lot about being careful with our words. And today we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit, but I think what would happen if before every meeting, every conversation with my friends or with anything, walking into that meeting, praying Psalm 19 verse 14, would you read it with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You know, last week, we, we, last month we finished our series and we're going to wrap this one up soon, but... How many of you enjoyed our time of prayer and fasting? Did you participate in that? 21 days of prayer and fasting. It was a five-week series, and we, we finished it up with Queen Esther and King Jehoshaphat. I like to call him King Japhat for short, because it's a hard name to say, and it's even, a, it's even more difficult to spell when you're trying to type out Jehoshaphat 10 times on the computer. I promise, try it out sometime. But uh, as we got into it, we had this, this, our final teaching of 21 days in prayer and fasting. We had a king, and it was just a moment where everything was going wrong. Have you ever experienced a season like that in life where it just seems like no matter what you do, no matter what you decide, a storm just keeps coming, it just keeps brewing, things just don't seem to work out no matter what happens, right? King Jehoshaphat was faced with this mountain, He was faced with three armies coming together, uniting and coming to destroy not only him, but his people. It was an uh, overwhelming situation. And a lot of times when we get overwhelmed by life, there's an an emotion that's very real. And it's an important emotion to acknowledge and recognize. It's this emotion called fear. Very common in our lives. And I love in 2 Chronicles, it it, it talks about, it's 2 Chronicles uh, chapter twenty. And it's verse 3 where it acknowledges the truth because it says, King Jehoshaphat was afraid. Three armies came together to destroy them and it says he was afraid. 
right? And maybe you're here today, whether it's what's going on in our world, when we, when we think about it, it, it's like, man, this thing could escalate. It already has escalated. But you think about it with a, with a few decisions, with a few choices, right? Things could escalate even greater and greater. Well, King Jehoshaphat was a leader who was afraid he was facing an all-out war. And if you remember, the solution to his problem wasn't found in numbers. It wasn't found in weapons. It wasn't found in artillery. But the solution to King Jehoshaphat's problem was found in his voice. Their victory was found in their praise. Their victory was found in declaring that God was good and that God was going to fight this battle. I have a question for you this morning before you get into your notes. And if you have a smartphone, would you take it out? And if you have, a real, if you have the real Bible, I, oh, that's dad calling the, the smartphone a fake Bible. Because it's a real Bible too, right? How about a digital Bible versus your, there we go. I'm like, the fake Bible. No, right? right? Turn on your Bible or open your Bible, right? There we go. That's a better way of saying it. But you know, are you here this morning facing something serious? Is there something going on in your life that's major? And I'm not talking about the day-to-day annoyances. I mean, how many of you over the last two years, it's interesting how much the world has changed where it just seems like people are a little more harsh and rude and quick to be sensitive or whatever it is? And doesn't it seem like no matter where you go, like businesses just have the excuse to like not do their job anymore because of whatever, right? They're like, oh, it's COVID. We don't need to work, right? It's all good, right? We went to a place, and I'm not going to say the name of it, but we went to a place that their primary thing that they serve is chicken, Right? And we were there, and we were trying to order the other day, and my wife was ordering something for my wife, and they say, we're out of grilled chicken. And we're all, but you're a chicken restaurant. Like, that's all, you're, that's all you do. What do you mean you're out of chicken? Just close the shop, right? Like, what do you mean, right? Have you ever experienced that over the last two years? It's like everybody has an excuse. Like, well, we don't need to, we don't need to be good at anything anymore because of COVID, right? It's like, it's just, it's crazy. It's frustrating, right? So I'm not talking about the day-to-day frustrations, because that's more of the minor stuff, right? But I'm talking about situations, mountains that are larger than life, a diagnosis that has you living in complete fear, right? Sometimes the Bible in Scripture, sometimes the Bible calls these challenges or trials mountains, right? Sometimes the Bible, when it speaks symbolically of a mountain, it's not always referring to a mountain as a physical location, But sometimes it's referencing that mountain as a trial, as something that you can't get around it, you can't go high enough to get above it. It is in the way, and it feels like there is nothing you can do to fight this mountain, to win this battle. You know, mountains can come in shapes and sizes that all look different. The mountain you might face may may not be the same mountain that your neighbor or your spouse is facing. Sometimes the mountain that we face is simply our choices. Sometimes the mountain that we face is is the repercussions of living with something that we have chosen, right? It's it's that. Sometimes a mountain that you and I face, it's, it's not of your doing at all. Sometimes it's, you're facing a mountain because the hurt and the sin of someone else and there was nothing you did but nevertheless, that, that, that symbol, that mountain is right in front of you, staring you in the face. Sometimes a health issue can be a mountain. Sometimes a person can be a mountain in your life. 
Somebody say amen, right? People. Sometimes it could be your boss, a coworker, a loved one, somebody that you are forced to spend five days a week with or more, right? I'm teasing, kind of, right? But sometimes a mountain can be a person. However it is, so they are too big to get over. They're too, too big to go around. And, and it's a mountain that, you, you, that only you can face it with the Lord, and that is it. Well, as we get into Scripture this morning, Mark chapter 11, verse 12, let's get into God's Word in this next lesson. Today we're going to talk about um, the power of the mouth. If you've been with us the last three weeks, we've spent a lot of, I think, adequate time, right? Uh, I think we've laid out very well like the dangers that we can cause with our dynamite, Right? But today I want to talk about the power that exists, power that maybe you didn't even know that you possessed, the power of the tongue, right? Mark chapter 11, verse 12. Here we go. Jesus with the disciples the next morning as they were leaving Bethany, the Bible says Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off, so he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Um, this is interesting to me because when we, we talk about this, this context and what Jesus and the disciples are doing, but it, it's kind of like a, a simple need, but clearly Jesus is hungry, right? It's just like a simple, simple little story we think we're getting into. And they pass by a fig tree, and judging by what comes next, it's safe to say that Jesus wasn't happy with the lack of fruit on this fig tree. Safe to say he was a little disappointed about what he found at the fig tree. It didn't have any figs. It was a a fig tree, yet it was bearing no fruit. Let's look at what happens next. Verse 14. Then Jesus said to the tree, May no one ever eat your fruit again. I love this scripture. May no one ever eat of your fruit again. And then it says, the disciples heard him say it. Jesus makes a pretty frank statement. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't conduct some like big old ceremony. He didn't try to teach a big old lesson. He made this statement to this inanimate object. He made a statement to a tree. It's like something out of Lord of the Rings, right? They talk to trees in Lord of the Rings. Sorry, the inner geek in me comes out. But he makes a statement to a tree and then he leaves. This is... Strange, a statement to a tree and then he leaves. You, just, you get see what I did there? I didn't even try to do that, it just happened. But see, when you become a dad, the dad jokes just, I didn't even do that on purpose, but I love it actually. I love, I love, oh man. He makes this statement and then he walks away. He doesn't leave, he walks away. But you know, I think about this and I'm like, Jesus is out on his road trip with his disciples. And think of like, have you ever been with your friends and someone just makes a curt statement or they just make a comment and you kind of just, it, you, it registers in the back of your mind but you didn't think much of it? I bet the disciples, like putting myself in their shoes, be like you're on a road trip and our kids are doing it right now. They're, they're driving home. They're probably around Barstow around right now. They're probably getting ready to, um, they're, they're all with their buddies. We got four, four, three, four vehicles, three big old vans and two other vehicles trailing, so like five vehicles and they're getting ready to go to the Holy of Holies. It's a place with red and white cups, and it has yellow arrows, and they call you in with those yellow arrows. It's called In-N-Out Burger. And it's right there in Barstow, and you can smell it, right? Imagine you're on a trip with your, your 12 besties, 
and you go and you're just ready to eat. And you pull an In-N-Out burger, you're ready for that double-double with whole grilled onion, no tomato. Right? You're ready for it and you pull in only to discover the drive-thru is closed. Right? And think of it like this, I'm sure if, that, if you're with your friends, you're going to have some comments about In-N-Out burger. Right? And think of it like there's going to be some, some commentary. And I think similar fashion, like Jesus rolls up to this fig tree ready to be refreshed and he just curses this tree. And I think his disciples, they, they probably just were like, that was a little strange. It was a little weird. He was a little, little upset, right? But they don't think much of it and they, they go on with this road trip after Jesus makes this comment. I don't think the disciples thought too much of it at the time. Let's look at what happens next because they arrive in Jerusalem and verse 15, let's continue on with the scripture and what Jesus, I, I think what's so interesting, there's, he gets mad at a tree and then he gets mad at people in the temple, right? It's like this is, this is not a day to be messing with Jesus. Like what he arrives to see in the temple, it's like, oh my goodness. But I think what's happening here is there's a sense, like what they have in common is both of these two things are offering fa false hope. It's like they, the, the Bible says the tree had leaves, right? It looked good. The temple, it was there, it looked good. And then like it's offering people a sense of false hope not doing what it's supposed to be doing. Let's look at verse 15. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and he began to drive out people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. I love this. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. And then he said this, one of the most famous scriptures in verse 17. Would you close it out with me? He said to them, and I'm guessing he didn't say this with a nice tone of voice. I'm guessing he had to bring out his dad voice, right? He said this, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Clearly, Jesus is very upset. I, I, I think he goes all the rock style on people, laying the smack down, throwing them out, flipping over tables, right? I love this image of Jesus because there's this holy anger in him that it's like he is outraged at what is going on in his father's house. You know, sometimes there are things we are allowed to be outraged about, amen? Right, things that make, that break God's heart, things that we're seeing go on right now, right? Jesus was upset, no doubt. I love that song, The Lion and the Lamb, because we know, we always talk about Jesus being the Lamb of God, that he, you know, he, he quietly, he, he went into the cross for our sins, right? Like the lamb that was led before the slaughter, but he also, in this temple moment, he could be a lion as well, amen? Right, it's time to, I think Jesus was the, probably the toughest man that ever lived when you think about what he walked through. So I love this, this time where he clears the temple. But I think he, he's upset because this tree and this temple, they, they almost both seem to have life, but they offer none at all. They both almost seem to look healthy on the outside, but they're both dying on the inside. And I think that's what frustrated Jesus probably more than anything. So he, he, he cleans house, he wrecks shop, he flips over the tables, probably hurt a few doves in the process, right? My animal-loving daughter would be upset about that. But I always tell, tell my daughter, they're just animals, honey, right? It's okay. I'm sorry. It's all good. The next day, let's look at this. That evening, Jesus and the disciples left the city. 
The next morning they passed by the fig tree he had cursed. And the disciples noticed that it had withered from its roots up. They begin back on this road trip. They pass by the same tree, and the A-plus student speaks up. Peter is that front row kid that always has a question, right? Let's look at the next verse, verse 21. Peter nails it. He remembered what Jesus had said to the tree. On the previous day, and Peter exclaimed, he said, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. I love that Peter notices something, and he speaks up. He's like, man, this tree had leaves just just yesterday, right? This is unnatural that it would just wither and die. Even in Las Vegas, how many of us have ever lost a tree in our yard, right? All, probably a lot of us if you lived here long enough, right? It doesn't just happen in one day, does it? I remember I had a tree that we lost, and I, I found out, I was like, oh, it's been without water, oh, I don't know, like multiple summers? It was literally like that long. It was like, it, it, that sucker was a fighter. I couldn't believe how long it lasted, right? Trees just don't die in one day. They don't wither up by the roots and die. It's a process in this climate, right? And Peter notices something off. As we get into the word, Peter says, this, is, this doesn't seem right. In a short amount of time, it decayed, it withered. It just This fully grown tree drastically changed in one day. And Jesus goes on to give some instruction about faith. We're going to look at scripture. Jesus goes on to use this everyday moment as a teaching moment. You know what's interesting to me, and it's like culturally we've gotten so used to, just letting all the preaching happen from a pulpit on a Sunday. You know what's interesting is like most of the times Jesus spoke, it was in a very informal type setting. That's why I think even today, like, man, it makes sense that, like, podcasts and things are taking off because it's like, I think if Jesus were alive, that would, he'd probably be, like, the greatest podcast. He'd make Joe Rogan look like small beans, right? Because all his conversation, it was like normal conversation. Oh, you know, if you have a mustard seed, you know, there was this parable of the, the coins. We lost our money, right? This, 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 the, the, uh, the, there was a kid that was lost. He wanted, an, he wanted a, his inheritance from his father up front, and so he took all his money, and he was a knucklehead, right? Jesus used everyday situations to talk about faith, to bring out truth, to explain something. And I, I think about it, man, like, are we living our life with those, with, with, that, kind of, with that kind of eyesight? Like, God, show me what you want me to see so I can explain the gospel to someone in just an everyday setting. Because how many of you know it's harder and harder to get people to church, right? It's, it just is. It's, it's the nature, of, like, culture has changed. I think Jesus, man, he uses this everyday moment to teach the 12. And he wants to teach them, he wants to use our lives, our words. He's going to teach them about miracles here. Can we read this scripture? Here's what Jesus says, verse 22. Can we jump ahead a little bit? Jesus says to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Jesus engages the disciples in this every day. They notice this tree has withered up and died after he cursed it. And he tells them, if you have faith, if you have faith, you can move this mountain. This mountain can be thrown into the sea. He says, but you've got to do a few things. You've got to do a few things. This very familiar passage 
the first thing I want to look at, would you write this down in your notes this morning? If we don't kind of skip through and kind of hang out in this scripture a little bit today, Jesus, I believe he wants us to speak to these mountains in our life. He wants us to speak to them. He, it's interesting, he, he doesn't even mention God in this passage, but he, 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 mentioned, he, he speaks directly into this situation. He speaks directly to this tree. Number one, this is a wonderful example. It seems to me like Jesus believed this, but there is power in our spoken words. Is it just me, or does it seem like Jesus believed that his words caused the tree to die? Is that a logical thing to believe from this, right? Seems to me, maybe write this down, right, that Jesus believed it was his words that caused the tree to shrivel up and to die. Number one, there is power in our spoken words, right? When we take our faith and we couple it with our words, it's what Jesus is after, putting our faith into words. We often talk about actions, but sometimes words are very, very necessary. Jesus is saying we have the power to speak to these, these struggles, these mountains, these things that keep us from experiencing this, a, a, a life that, that Christ, this, this life of freedom that Christ wants us to experience. The power of our speech, it's a powerful, powerful thing. I think one of the reasons it's so powerful is because our speech comes from God. Right? We look at the way God, when, when, when God created the heavens and the earth, right? the Bible says he did it with his speech. Jesus didn't say to move the mountains in your life, you need to have a really long prayer service. Although sometimes that's a fantastic thing to do, correct? Right? Jesus didn't say to move the mountains in your life, you need to confess all your sins. He didn't say to, to, to move the mountains in your life, you've got to bow our heads, you've got to do, make this checklist, sing the song louder and sing it louder and sing it louder and sing it longer and do the chorus like four times before you can move the mountain. No, 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 right? He didn't say you need to give one of those, um, if you've been in church long enough, you'd get this, right? Like a Lord God prayer. Is anybody ever guilty of a Lord God prayer at some time in your life, right? Where just constantly, you, you run out of words to say, so you just saying, I thank you, Lord God, because Lord God, it's a good day, Lord God, Lord Anybody ever do that? Or have you ever seen anybody do that? I'm teasing, right? right? I'm just joking. Church humor doesn't get any better. Stick to the scripture, right? But Jesus said, don't have doubt in your heart. And from this passage, it's kind of like a, a blank statement. He says, don't have doubt, like speak to it, don't have doubt, tell it to move, and it will move. End of story. Like he doesn't like try to explain it any further. Speak to it, have faith, don't have doubt, tell it to move, and it will move. There's power in our words, but here's what I want to look at today. How do we know how to choose our words carefully, right? I've grown up in church long enough to see that it seems like we can get so, we can, the pendulum can swing so far in either direction where it can get really, really unhealthy. I remember being a kid at a camp, and I, I remember, like, I think I told my dad about it, like, right away when we got home. Because so I remember we were at a camp, and I was probably, like, only, like, 12 or 13. But you know sometimes when you hear something and you're like, that sounds really great, but that doesn't quite sound right. Anybody ever been that, right, in church, right? And I remember we were at a camp, and this guy said, man, if you pray for that Corvette, God will give you that Corvette. And I remember thinking, that would be really cool. That would be awesome. But then in my mind, I'm like, that doesn't, I don't know why, I can't really locate it in scripture, 
but this doesn't feel right to me. Like reducing God to some sort of Robin Williams genie doesn't quite seem to be the route we're supposed to take, right? So as Christians, uh, you know, it's like, man, we, can, we could say like, speak that blessing into existence. And we could tend to say things that don't really align with God's word, right, with God's word. Or we can be on the other side of the pendulum where it's like, I've seen churches as well that it's like, you can only preach, only correct to preach like verse by verse by verse. And if you do it any other way, it's wrong. And they emphasize the importance of scripture, 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 while never ever encouraging anyone to use their audible voice. Well, Jesus spoke up and he used his voice. And I think each instance, like if you're too far on either side of the pendulum, you can end up having powerless speech and powerless prayer all at the same time. Jesus, I think, would say we have to speak, but we have to use our words. We have to use our words. We got to speak them out. But those words that we do speak out, here's the catch, is they must be aligned with God's scripture. Those words that we speak, those truths that we speak, it must be aligned with God's word that he has given to us, right? Saying whatever you feel like is not going to move the mountain. Even though you may feel like that red Corvette. I still remember that, right? I remember thinking like, God, I, I probably prayed it, right? I'm like 12. I want a Corvette at 12. Let's go. Who wouldn't want that, right? Verse 22. Jesus gives us a roadmap for speaking directly into our situations. He says, you know what, you can overcome huge obstacles, mountains, trials, struggles. You can overcome things in your life by speaking out loud the truth of Scripture directly and specifically into a situation. Let's look at verse 22. Let's kind of review this a little bit. Jesus said to the disciples, number one, it's like, have faith in God. He begins by saying the first thing we got to do, we got to have faith in God. Before we can, right, before we can say anything, we need to have faith because really what we believe determines what you say, right? That kind of lines up with our message from last week, uh, from, from, from what, you're, what is going on in your heart, right? When you're, when, whatever comes out with your words, that is truly you. That is, right, we, I think I said something last week, like, man, if you find yourself gossiping on a habitual basis all the time, you didn't make a mistake, you didn't mess up, you don't sometimes gossip, you actually have the heart of a gossip, right? If you cuss like a sailor, you didn't just mess up and you just do it sometimes, no, you have the heart of a sailor. That is right, from the heart, the mouth speaks, so as we get into this passage and we break it down a little bit more, I think it's interesting that God, we've, we've spoken about this already, when God spoke the world, he spoke and creation started to take place, right? Things started to happen. God didn't need to have more faith to make that happen, right? But maybe like since we're God, Jesus instructs us, he says, have your faith, like check out your faith before you do anything. Verse 23. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen, but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. And then once we do that, it's like, oh my goodness, our motives need to align with God's point of view. Our desires need to align with God's word. Our desires need to align with his 
perspective, and then the Bible says when that happens, what we say in faith can actually come about, but if what we say, right, our word carries no punch if we don't initially have faith, right? Our words will carry no pop if they aren't rooted in God's truth, if they aren't rooted in his power, not our own, if they aren't rooted in his will. Number two, there is no power if our speech is unauthorized. And a a couple little examples, right? There is no power if our speech is unauthorized. And add this in there as well. And if it's turned off, think of a light switch, right? It's great that we have electricity inside our house, but what happens if we don't actually flip the switch, right? If we don't actually connect to it. I I have a a wonderful afternoon plan. My kids have a birthday party to be at about right now. And uh, we, we, I was with the youth. We drove back from California last night. And so parents, can you relate to this? Like, I have this thing scheduled that I'm excited about around maybe 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. And it is a nap. Right? Been with your, like, I've been with your kids, all these people, all your, kid, all your two kids were there, right? We, we've been with these kids this weekend. We got back at like 11 last night. But my kids, are, and, and this might be one of those naps that does not take place on the couch. Right? It might be like a bed nap, like go, go take a nap nap, right? So I'm excited, I'm excited about that, but if I go home in this tired state and I decide to get behind someone on the freeway and start honking my horn and then I pull up beside them and I roll down the window and I say, pull over! And their response is not going to be, it's a cardigan, thanks. I'm teasing, child of the 80s. Some of us remember that, right? But if I yell at somebody and say, pull over! Pull over! How many of you would agree that's probably a terrible idea? Right? <laughs> Gonna get myself in trouble? Somebody, and, and, and rightfully so, and I would even say, man, if anybody pulls up to you and they're in like a normal car, right, you better probably not pull over for that person. I would say like, call the police, call your family, call your wife, call your husband, whatever it is. But if I'm driving home in a, a car that in my rearview mirror appears to be black and white and has some lights on top of it and those lights begin to go off and from that car they get on their speaker and they start to say pull over pull over right and there's a police officer yelling at me to pull over how many of you would agree it would probably be in my best interest or your best interest in that moment to slowly pull that car over to the right right probably be a good idea to roll my windows down, put my listening ears on and keep my mouth quiet and really listen to what that officer has to say because that officer is in a position where he is authorized to tell me to pull over. Do you see where we're going with this when we talk about our speech and the power that comes from our speech? Our words carry no punch, they carry no weight if our words are not authorized from God the Father. Too often, right, we want our words to do something and to change something, but they aren't authorized by the perfecter of our faith. They carry no weight because really they're words that are from our motives. They're words that aren't His. We all have this thing called electricity that we pay in advance. We pay Nevada Power for it, right? And you could have the coolest 80-inch television. You could even have it plugged into the wall. But if you fail to actually figure out where the on button is on your changer or on that TV itself, right, that could be the coolest 
TV, but at nighttime you will just be hanging out in the dark if you haven't figured out how to turn it on, even though it's right there powered with electricity ready to go, right? We must have faith in God's authorized power, but we also must use our words to turn it on, right? Our faith is that power coming from the Lord, but our words, it's like that light switch, it's that on button. In Mark eleven twenty four, Jesus says, I tell you, would you read verse 24? You can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. These are one of those tricky verses where we can just kind of Man, we, we, we kind of like can pull out the verses we like and verses we don't like, right? This is an interesting verse because Jesus, in one sentence, he, 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 he mentions the present tense, and in the same sentence, he mentions the future, the future tense at the same time. Look at the second half of verse 24. He says, if you believe that you've received it, which is meaning like if you believed you've received it, he's talking about the present tense right now and then he says it will be yours he's talking about in the future I'm, I kind of scratch my head when I read this verse because it's one of those I want to be careful with it right I don't want to make one of those Corvette comments and then have to have somebody call their parents and be like what what did he say on a Sunday right Jesus I think here's what he's trying to say he's saying have faith and pray like it's already been done have faith and pray like you already actually have it. Praying with faith means that like, it's like praying like, God, I'm going to pray like you've already done it. I want you to, God, I, I'm going to pray in order to release what you already intend to do. There's, this is an amazing scripture that I think it, 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 it showed up one time in my life that I, I will always remember. It's Isaiah 65, verse 24. Would you open your Bible to Isaiah 65, verse 24? And it says this. Think, think about the gifts of a father, and even as, if you're a parent, think about the way, or a grandparent, the way you've gifted your kids, right? Isaiah 65, 24 says, I will answer them before they even call to me. I will answer them before they even call to me. While they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. Does anybody here ever have to catch themselves sometimes because you realize your prayers have become very safe? I, have, I feel like sometimes I have to do that. Like sometimes I go, man, like my prayers have been very, very safe. Kind of even sometimes, like could we say like a wimpy prayer? You know what I mean by like a wimpy prayer? Like it's just, it's like you're not really talking to God about, right? It's just kind of like a, this, this safe, wimpy prayer. Isaiah 65, 24, it says, I will answer them before they even call to me, where they are still talking about their needs. I will go ahead and answer their prayers. I remember, um, I think it was June of 2020, and we were, in, we were in our principal, Debbie, we were in our principal Debbie Kay's backyard, and we were praying about our school, we were praying about, you know, church, we, we think of it now, and it's like, oh, 2020, it was a long time ago, so it kind of feels like a long time ago, it kind of feels like it wasn't, right, the world definitely was different, but it was in that moment where things were shut down, and church, we weren't meeting as a church, uh, we, weren't, we weren't meeting as a school completely, things were online, little kids weren't meeting at all, and we're just going, what on earth, you know, back then, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't know about stimulus packages, Right? We didn't know that things would open back up. We, we had no idea what was going to happen. And we're just praying in the backyard. We're like, we have no idea 
what we are going to do. And I remember as the middle of our prayer, Pastor Mike, we had Pastor Mike, Pastor Greg, myself, and Debbie Kay there, right? And, and we're sitting there just kind of praying over this. And in the middle of the prayer, Pastor Mike pulls out his phone, and we get an email from our denomination that says, you, are going, you, you have the option, you can, you can have three months of relief on all mortgage payments all around the world. We're going to pause everything. Right? That was before any government money was available. Any, and I remember in the middle of our prayer, this email comes through, like spot on, right on time. It was this Isaiah 65 moment that I saw with my own eyes. Can we read that verse again one more time? Look at it with me. I will answer them before they even call to me. While they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. You know, the thing about what I think Jesus is trying to teach the 12 disciples and he wants to teach us about prayer today, is when we pray in faith, uh, we're not praying to get God moving, right? We're not praying to get God to change his mind about something. We're not praying as if we're going to like convince him to do, God, I want to do what I want you to do. But this type of prayer that Jesus is talking about, when we use our voice, it's prayer that re- it's, it's prayer that releases what God already intended to do. It's prayer that releases what God intended to do because our God, he, he, he is so infinite. He's beyond us. He isn't like time and space, right? A God, he, he is all about eternity. We can't even comprehend just how amazing he is, like the, the normal laws of physics that we know about, that he's given to us, right? God isn't bound by our time frame. We like things in sequential order. But praying by faith, it's believing that God has already handled it. I think that's what Jesus is saying here. Pray as if he's already done it. Pray as if you already have it. Pray as if God has already handled it. Number three. Number three, as we close with this. PG, would you come on up here today and uh, play us out? And Number three, utilizing mountain moving power requires actual speech. We've got to use our big boy voice. We've got to use our grown woman voice, right? Not every situation will have the same experience, but this is a principle of watching our mouth. I think we would be surprised by how much power comes from the mouth. Right? Statistics show that even with raising your children, the power, like when you speak praise over them, the power that, that I think sometimes as Christians, power that we don't even understand we possess from our mouths. As we get back into the message today, um, I think we'd be surprised by how much power comes from the mouth. You know, we talk about praying over things, and oftentimes when we talk about financial issues, right? Has anybody here ever been in credit card debt or whatever it is? Oftentimes, sometimes we have to deal with the repercussions of our choices. So when we talk about prayer, like, of course, change our spending, right? Maybe get into some Dave Ramsey, like financial health. But also, Jesus would say, speak to those, speak at that financial situation, speak to it, right? Of course, change, make wise choices, cut back. If you have a health issue, right, Jesus wouldn't say, oh, stop going, no, go to the doctor, right? Oftentimes when we have a problem, God sends people to solve the problems, right? 
I don't think you'd say stop taking medicine or stop doing whatever. Healing can come through all of those different ways. But I think at the same time, Jesus would say he wants us to speak to that health problem that it's, it's like a mountain that you can't get around. Even though you don't understand it, he wants us to speak to it. And I think when we do that, we will see the awesome power of what God is capable of doing when our motives align with his plans and his word. Can we bow our heads and let's pray this morning? God, we love you. God, we recognize just as Jesus modeled to the 12 that there is power in our spoken words. And God, even though we don't always understand God, we don't always understand plans and different things. God, help us to trust in what we see you doing. God, as we pray, God, we ask that you would help us to plug into you, to plug into your word as our power source, but also that our speech would be authorized by you, that our our speech would be powerful because of you. Lord, help us seek your heart more and more, so much so that our speech just comes directly from you. God, as we close this time of prayer, I just had an alert on my phone that was on my iPad in the middle of this that was just a, a status about it says Putin raising status of nuclear forces for special regime of combat duty God we continue to pray over this situation God we pray that you would somehow soften the heart of a dictator God we pray for our leaders but God we pray for our president in particular God, we pray for President Biden. We pray for wisdom. We pray that he seeks you. We pray that people around him seek you. God, we pray that the counsel around him gives godly counsel. God, we do not have to agree with people, but your word declares that we do have to pray for him. And God, we lift them up. We lift up our president to you. God, we pray for wisdom that surpasses our understanding. God, we pray for our country. We pray for Ukraine. We pray for Russia. As we close this time, God, may we continue to lift up these people in our prayers. In Jesus' holy name, all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, You can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.